Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. This might be a little hot. If it starts feeding back, that's because it's hot. Before I start my message, I actually want to, I felt the Lord, I don't think I've ever done this to at least start a message. I felt the Lord invite me to sing his song over you guys. And I'm not like Marissa and the worship team, but I love to sing to the Lord. And I felt like, yeah, he wanted me to sing a specific song, a Rama song that I felt him singing over me and this whole room. And so you can just, if you want to, close your eyes, open up your hands and just receive this. Zephaniah 3.17 says really clearly that Jesus sings and dances over his people 24-7. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Jesus sings and dances over Darby and all of us. That's wild. So I'm just catching a little measure of that 24-7 song over his people as I sing this for 30 seconds over you guys or less. So, Hallelujah, hallelujah, for the Lamb has loved you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, for the Lamb has loved you. Let's see it one more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, for the Lamb has loved you. Amen. All right, so this message today (laughs) is a message of reward. It's a message of thanksgiving to all who have participated in this fast in some measure. If you prayed, I just want to equal the playing field here. If you prayed for two minutes during this 21 days for Israel, Jerusalem, I want you to raise your hand. If you prayed for the Jewish salvation for at least two minutes, okay, you're part of this blessing. I won't share the story, but I prayed for Israel one day for two minutes, and I had two prophetic ladies come in hours after, basically telling me that the archangel Michael was assigned to me. And I was like, how in the world could a... Gentile person in a shopping center have the Archangel Michael who's assigned to the Jewish people. How in the world could I have him assigned to me? And the Lord reminded me of what I did earlier that day was pray for Jerusalem for two minutes. He said, if you stand with Israel by praying for her and supporting her, you get her protection. You get her angelic warring protection. That's pretty cool. So if you prayed for two minutes, this message is for you. If you haven't prayed for two minutes, just pray real quick right now. For the salvation of the Jewish people worldwide, there's 14 million Jews. Pray that all of them would know Yeshua, and you're going to take part in this message. The Lord is really good at redeeming lost time. He is so good at making up for lost time. And so don't shoot yourself in the foot if you're like, oh, no, I can't listen to this message now. No, you can listen. Because you can always jump in for the next 21 days and fast and pray for Israel, even if you didn't do one day. 
So there's always an open door with the Lord before he returns. When he comes back, there's a little bit of a closed door. But he's still in heaven, and there's still an open door for all the invitations of the gospel. Okay, let's jump right in. Three surprising rewards of this 21-day fast. There are so many. There's probably a hundred rewards that we're going to start to feel and experience. I've already felt and experienced three, th- these three specifically, and that's why I'm passing them on to you guys, because I have seen these in the scripture and felt them myself and actually walked out these surprising blessings and rewards of this fast. And I just want to say before we jump in, God is not afraid of rewards. He's not afraid of motivating his people with rewards. Guys, fasting, it's a sacrifice. Coming to prayer meetings instead of watching Netflix is a sacrifice. He wants to reward our self-sacrifice handsomely in this life and in the life to come. So don't be afraid of being motivated by rewards. David killed Goliath primarily because of the reward that was attached to it. He asked three separate times, if you read the story clearly and, and closely, David asked three separate times what the reward was for killing Goliath. That's what motivated David to do that heroic act because there was a really handsome reward attached to killing the giant against Israel. So let's jump into the first surprising reward of this 21-day fast, Psalm 87. Guys, 10 days ago on Thursday May 18th, really early in the morning. I had to make an early flight. So I was up at like 4 a.m. Almost as soon as I woke up, I heard this voice in my spirit. I describe it as an internal audible voice of the Holy Spirit. It was so loud. It was the loudest thought, and it wasn't from me. It came from outside. It was almost audible. And this is what the verse, the voice said. It said, verse 2 of Psalm 87 said this, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. And then I heard it a third time, hours later. I heard it three times on this morning. Internal audible voice of the Lord to where I so had to pay attention to what God was trying to communicate to me. The Lord loves the gates of Jerusalem. The Lord loves that specific city more than all the other cities of even Israel, more than Haifa, more than Tel Aviv. From Dan to Beersheba, the the city that God enjoys or delights in the most is Jerusalem. And by implication, if he loves this city more than all the other cities of Israel, he for sure loves this city more than all the cities of America. The Lord loves Jerusalem, the gates of Jerusalem, more than Austin. The Lord loves the gates of Jerusalem more than Washington, D.C. And so this is a challenging verse. This is offensive to our ethnocentrism. We think we're the best. We think America's the best. We think we're the center of God's heart, the center of God's plan. Guess what? The Bible is not America-centric. The Bible is Jerusalem-centric, and our Christianity should be Jerusalem-centric. Of course we should love and pray for America and love the amber waves of grain and the purple mountain majesties. I love America. That's why I'm wearing this shirt. I love where I live. Right now, it is the best country in the world, but one day it's not going to be the best country in the world. Jerusalem and Israel will be the best country in the world, and we're going to want to live there. 
and all the redeemed will live there in Jesus' name. The Lord loves the gates of Jerusalem more than all the gates of Austin. Let that settle in. Let that offend you. Let that offend your mind and your ethnocentrism before it offends you in 10, 20 years when Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem and you're still so tied to an American dream. God's got an Israel dream. He's got a Jerusalem dream. And that's what this fast has invited us into. Look at what the end of this psalm says, Psalm 87. This is challenging to me. Look at this. It says, both the singers and the players on the instruments say. This is the the statement, the song of the singers and the musicians of God. What do they say? They say, all my springs are in you, Jerusalem. All of my fountains are in you, Jerusalem. And what does that mean? What is springs, fountains? I think it means all my sources of joy, of delight, of meaning. All my sources of life are in one city, inextricably linked and tied to the destiny of one city. All of my fountains, my sources of life and joy are tied not to Austin experiencing revival, although I want it to and I believe it will. It's tied to the future of one city because of one man that's coming back through one gate in that one city. Why does, the love, why does the Lord love the gates of Zion more than all the other gates and all the other cities in the world? It's because he's only coming back through one gate, the east gate of Jerusalem. Who is this coming through the east gate? It's Yeshua, resurrected, never to die again, trampling over sin and death and all of his enemies, all of the Antichrist and his army. He's trampling over them as he walks into the east gate. That's why he loves the gates of Zion more than all the cities in the entire world. So what does this lead to? If the singers are saying, all of my springs, all of my sources of joy are in one city, specifically the prophetic destiny of one city, what does this mean for us? Look at what Jeremiah says in Psalm 137. Most scholars believe this is Jeremiah who wrote this this psalm, which I love. This is what Jeremiah says in Psalm 137. He pronounces a curse on himself if he doesn't pray for Jerusalem. He pronounces actually two curses on himself if he doesn't remember Jerusalem. Look at this. It'll be up on the screen. He says, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, O Jerusalem, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. He says, let me forget how to play the harp. Let me forget how to do anything around the house. Let me become useless if I forget God's prophetic destiny for the city of Jerusalem. He pronounces two curses over himself to remind him and keep him tethered to God's prophetic destiny for Jerusalem. Do you think you're going to remember to pray for Israel when you forget how to play the harp, when you know how to play it? when you've known how to play it for 30, 40 years? Or if you forget how to drive, do you think you're going to remember to pray for Jerusalem? Oh, I better connect my heart again to God's plan for Jerusalem so that I can drive or do the chores around the house or mow the yard so that I can communicate to my wife, let me pray for Jerusalem. So that I can communicate clearly to this church, let me pray for Israel. If I don't, I'm going to be a mute pastor. My tongue's going to cling to the roof of my mouth. 
I'll just stand up here and drool if I don't remember to pray for Jerusalem. That's what he's saying. It's so graphic. He says this. He sums it up. He says, if I do not exalt Jerusalem, let this challenge and offend you. If I do not exalt or put Jerusalem in God's prophetic destiny for her in the highest place of my joy, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy, that means even above Brooke and my family. That's extreme. That's radical. But guys, this is what the Bible says. If I don't exalt God's prophetic destiny for Jerusalem above my own family, then let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. This is extreme. Guys, we have to exalt God's prophetic purposes for Jerusalem and Israel above Washington, D.C., above America. We have to exalt it over our own ideas of the American dream and what success looks like. But here's the blessing, the converse blessing of this curse. What's the converse of a curse? A blessing. Let's look at it here. Guys, I firmly believe, and I've actually experienced it over the last 21 days, I've experienced these two realities that I'm going to submit to you guys in humility. Guys, if we remember to pray for Jerusalem and fast for her and give to her, if we remember consciously, and if we make, by an act of faith, because we're not going to feel it right away, but if we say by faith, God, I want your prophetic purposes for Jerusalem to be my highest pleasure, to be more than ice cream, to be more than family, be more than the pleasure I have of Trump coming back into office, of the thought of that. No, for real. I'm serious. If I remember to make God's prophetic purposes for this one city, for Jerusalem, my chief joy, that's sacrificial, right? A city 7,000 miles away that we're saying, all of my heart, my heart's main joy and pleasure and delight is in a city 7,000 miles away. That's sacrifice. It really is. But what's the reward? I think it's so clear, and I've experienced it, so I'm a happy, satisfied customer with this. I believe the converse of Psalm 137 will be true. Our right hands will remember and actually prosper in their skill. Our tongues will be loosed to speak freely and clearly if we remember to pray and fast and give finances to God's purposes for Jerusalem. We're going to be the most skillful people in the room the ones who care for Zion. We're going to be the best communicators in our relationships. You know, relationships rise and fall on communication. They rise and fall on the clarity and skill of communication between husband and wife. Do this for your, your marriage. Do this for your family. Do this so you know how to talk to your kids. <laughs> our right hands, if we remember Zion, our right hands will remember and prosper in their skill. Our tongues will be loose to speak freely and clearly. How can I say this? Because many other places in the Bible are backing up what I'm saying. Not just Psalm 137, Psalm 122. Look at the promise of prosperity. Everyone say prosperity. Prosperity in body, soul, and spirit is promised to those who pray for the shalom, the peace of Jerusalem. Look at it. 
Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they, may those watchmen, those prayer warriors, prosper who love you, Jerusalem, who exalt Jerusalem above their chief joy. May they prosper in their skill, whatever your craft is. It might be movie making like Joseph. For me, it's dissecting the Bible. Guys, I've had more understanding of the Bible over the last 21 days. It's just been exploding off the page. This is real. That's my skill is dissecting the Bible. You all, there's 150 different skills in the room that you will prosper in as you choose Jerusalem to love her. That's what this verse says. And then to seal it, Daniel 1.20, this is what I pray for our youth, for the youth of our area. I pray that they would be like Daniel and his trio of fasting friends. What were their, what was those trio's names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I pray that the youth would be like these four young men. You know why? Look, look at what it says. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, all matters of the intellect about which the king examined them, Daniel and his fasting trio of friends, the king found them 10 times better. 10 times better than all the astrologers and magicians, all the other smart people in the land of Babylon. They were 10 times better, Ryan. I want my kids and my youth, I want you guys to be 10 times better than the world. How did that happen? They fasted and prayed for God's purposes for Jerusalem above the purposes of the king of Babylon. They chose Jerusalem over Babylon, so they became 10 times better. And they looked better. It's not about looks, but the Bible kind of made it about looks for a minute. They look better. They look healthier and brighter. <laughs> they were 10 times better inside and out. Because why? They fasted and prayed for God's purposes for Jerusalem. So this is a surprising, just to conclude this first reward. Isn't this fun? <laughs> surprising reward number one. Prosperity. Say it again. Prosperity. Increase skill and success in our communication. Our tongue's not going to cling to the roof of our mouth. It's going to be loosed. We're going to speak freely and prophetically God's heart and our craft. Movie making or dissecting the Bible, being in the tech sphere. I want you to be 10 times better, Micah. And I think you will be as you say yes to this. It's so cool. That's, take a picture of that if you want to put your name on that. Prosperity, increased skill and success in our communication and our craft. All right, let's keep moving. Surprising reward number two, we'll get to it in a moment. Jeremiah 9.1. Oh, I love Jeremiah. The weeping prophet. I love him. Derek, you're a modern day Jeremiah. You're a weeping prophet. Jeremiah 9.1. You know what set Jeremiah apart? He prayed prayers like these. This is a prayer of Jeremiah recorded in the Bible. Look at this prayer. He says, oh, that my head were waters. When you look at my head, I want you just to see fountains of water flowing out. Oh, that my eyes were a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my Jewish people. What is Jeremiah doing here? Jeremiah here is praying for tears and tenderness. Tears and tenderness. Why? 
so that he could feel what God felt when a Jewish soul perished at the hands of sin and Satan and Babylon. To feel what God feels. There's no better feeling, even if it's like gnarly tears, there is no better feeling than to feel what God feels in a situation. There's no worse feeling than to be apathetic, dull, and cold, and to care less. That's the worst feeling, is indifference. Was that old Lumineer song? The opposite of love is indifference. It's true. That's the worst, when you just don't care. You don't feel it when you see someone perish at the hands of sin and Satan. That's awful, but we're all prone to it. So Jeremiah here was praying against our, our proclivity towards apathy, dullness, and indifference. We're all prone to this because we get distracted and dull by the American dream and by the spirit of the harlot Babylon that is viral in the earth right now. Jeremiah prayed to experience the gravity, the weight of heaven and hell and the eternal plight that awaited his Jewish people, specifically those ones who were dying in rebellion to the God of Israel. He's praying for tears. He's praying instead of a heart of stone and dullness to have a tender, responsive heart of flesh. And we should pray that same prayer. Put your name on that verse, Jeremiah 9.1. But it wasn't just Jeremiah who cried for Israel. It was also our beloved Savior, Jesus. Becky, this is what was on your heart on Friday. It was already in my notes, so you copied me. So, no. <laughs> Luke 19, 41 through 42. Now, as Jesus drew near, he saw Jerusalem. He looked at Jerusalem on a little hillside nearby, and he wept over it. A little tear didn't come down his cheek. He wept like guttural from his deepest places. That's what the word weep means. It's the messy, gnarly cry. Jesus wept over the spiritual condition of Jerusalem. This is what he said. It probably wasn't pretty and eloquent. He said, if you had known, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day of salvation, the things that would make for your peace, your eternal shalom. But now, they are hidden from your eyes. You're blind, Jewish people. And that's why you're about to kill me. What is Jesus crying over here? I alluded to it a little bit. Jesus here was weeping over the spiritual blindness of the Jewish people in his day. And the impending judgment that he saw prophetically that awaited them and the city of Jerusalem at the hands of Rome. Why? Because of their willful rejection of him. They said no to him. And so that judgment was promised to come to that city. My dad said it a couple weeks ago. He said, tears. What are tears? Holy tears are the collision point. The collision point between how bad a situation is and how good God is. I love that definition of tears. Tears are the collision point between how bad a current situation is, but held in tension with the same reality, God is so good and merciful, in a moment he could turn this thing around. <laughs> Just like he did for me on July 23rd, 2013. I wept tears of salvation as Jesus poured his liquid love over me and delivered me from alcohol. 
why did that experience happen to me? Because my dad, my mom, my grandma, my granddad, they cried for me. They cried for me for five years. And finally, that bowl tipped over, that bowl of tears in heaven. They were crying how bad I was, my situation was, but how good and merciful God was. That bowl tipped over, and then I had my own encounter where I cried for 45 minutes, and I was never the same. Still, I'm not the same. The Lord spoke that to me this morning. He said, you're not the same person. <laughs> how did that happen? Tears. Jesus' tears over Jerusalem, and he's still crying in heaven today. He's crying as he's singing his song of hope over them. Jesus' tears were the collision point between how bad and tragic their current spiritual condition was and how good and glorious, good and glorious, his future plans for them were. Because he, he knew the scriptures better than any of us. He knew what was coming for Jerusalem and the Jewish people on the last day. So let's fast forward from this little hillside in AD 33. Let's fast forward 1,990 years to right now. How bad is the current spiritual condition of the Jewish people in the land of Israel? Well, there's about 6 million Jews in the land of Israel. Guess how many are believers in Yeshua and Jesus? True believers. 20 to 30,000 of the 6 million. 20 to 30,000 of the 6 million. Do you know what that percentage is? It's up on the screen. 0.5%. That is tragic. That is terrible. That is bad. Okay? Well, how good, talk about a collision point, how good and glorious and hopeful is the future spiritual condition of the Jewish people worldwide? You know how good it is? 100%. All of them are going to be saved. And so it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And all Israel, all Israel will be saved. Nate, what is all in the Greek? All. <laughs> it means all. Guys, there are five clear scriptures. One, two, three, four, five. Five clear scriptures that all say the same thing. He only had to say it once, but he said it five times because we're a little dull. 100%. Guys, talk about a collision point of how bad it currently is, but how good it will be. You know what this is worthy of? Our tears. This collision point of current reality and, and future glory is, is worthy of our modern tears today. So this is a surprising reward, number two. Be up on the screen. Increased heart tenderness. Increased heart tenderness, meaning you're going to cry more. You're going to feel what God feels more as you stepped into this 21-day fast for Jerusalem and Israel. And this isn't just scriptures. I actually live this out in reality I cried probably conservatively at least 10 or 11 of the 21 days I was in tears. Who in here had increased heart tenderness, more holy tears during this 21 days? You're like, wow, I'm crying more. Either I'm unstable or I'm actually the most stable I've ever been. You know, tears get a bad rap sometimes. They're like, oh, that's instability. Well, Jesus cried a lot. Jeremiah cried a lot, and they were the most stable, understanding people in their day. 
Daniel's prayers have a real heartfelt, gut-wrenching reality. I bet he was a crier. <laughs> and they were really stable. And so here's what we're commanded to do in Isaiah 40. Here's what we're commanded to do. God says to the Gentile church, he says, speak comfort. You know what that word comfort means? It means literally speak to the heart of Jerusalem. It literally means speak tenderly, like a father would speak to their three-year-old daughter. Speak to the heart of. Don't speak to their mind or speak to what they're doing wrong. Speak to their tender heart. Speak tenderly. Speak comfort. Speak to the heart of my people and cry. Cry out for her with this message, this message laced with tears. We need our messages laced with tears. We're not standing here like we know it all and we have it all together because we were once in their blind spiritual condition, just like they are now. We were all there one time. So we come from a place of tenderness, speaking to their heart, saying, your warfare is ended. Your iniquity has been pardoned. Your sin, your rebellion has been washed clean by the blood of your Savior 2,000 years ago, by that perfect Passover lamb. He already came. Your iniquity is pardoned, Israel. And we say that with tears. And then they listen a little bit more. Whoever, who pays attention a little bit more when someone starts crying when they're talking? I always do. I listen up. I perk up. Well, the same thing's going to happen with Israel as we're crying the message of hope to them. This is real. This was a surprising reward to me. I was like, I'm usually, I love, I love when I cry. I love when the Lord touches me. I was like, wow, I'm really tender right now. I'm really sensitive in a good way. <laughs> Guys, this is a reward. Jeremiah's tears become Juice's tears. Jesus's tears become Dan's tears. We receive their tears, their feelings for Jerusalem. I have a picture of an elderly man up there. He was the father of the missionary family that I was with, and he wasn't a believer at this time that I was, when I was in Israel in 2014. You know what my last meeting? My last meeting with him before I had to fly back to America, we were on the elevator. I was telling him bye. I, was, I think I was going to leave the next day. My last message to him, I cried. I didn't say one word. I remember I cried for like three minutes. And I couldn't, it wasn't for me. It wasn't, I was sad that I was going to miss him, of course, that, but that was like 5% of a soul level. This was a spiritual tears that filled me. And I just cried. That was my best message that I ever preached in Israel. He's still alive today, and he's been very, very open to the gospel. And so I just encourage you to pray for that final step of a yes. He might be saved right now, but I was looking through the old messages, and I'm not sure. Oh. And then on the, the way to the airport with the missionary family, again, I cried for like 45 minutes with those kids that I was discipling. Yes, they're in a Christian family, but Satan's still after them. So that was my last message to the family. It was like 45 minutes of tears. Eli. Eli is his first name. Or Ellie. So they say in Hebrew. 
So this is a reward number two, increased heart tenderness. Let's go to the last reward. Oh, so good to feel. It means you're alive. Even if it's hard, it means you're alive. <laughs> Who likes to be alive and feel things? Even when it's hard, it means you're alive. All right, you can go back to the first slide. Uh, one less. Okay. Isaiah 52.8, thank you. This is what Isaiah says. This is the surprise and reward number three. He says, your watchman. Who's watchman? Jerusalem, the Jewish people's watchman. What is a watchman? It's a prayer warrior. It's a singer. Someone who fasts and prays for Israel. Your prayer warriors, Jerusalem, shall, this is a promise, shall lift up their voices. What does that speak to? That speaks to confidence. You're going to be more confident as you step into God's heart for Israel and the Jewish people. You're going to be more confident in prayer. You're going to be more confident in your gospel presentation. You will lift up your voices. You're not going to cower with your head down and be like, oh, Lord, save Israel. You're going to, oh, Lord, save Israel. You're going to be confident that he's listening to you because you know that Jerusalem's the apple of his eye. Increase confidence in prayer. That's the first reward there. Look what it says. With their voices, not your voice, but their collective voices, they, everyone say they, they shall sing together. Do you see this picture of the hundred million Gentile watchmen for Israel all worldwide being unified together, singing the same song at the same time? That's this picture. They shall sing together, not in division, not in jealousy and envy and pride. No, they're, they're together in humility. For they, look at this, I love this, this phrase. They shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back the captivity of Zion. They will see eye to eye, not one above the other, or not one cowering in false humility and self-deprecation below. They will see eye to eye, perfect unity, perfect leveled unity. They, the watchmen, will see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. What is this? Isaiah saw a future time. Dare I say, we may be in it. Isaiah saw this room and rooms like it worldwide. 2,700 years ago, he saw Rebecca praying for Israel. He saw a future time of increased confidence. They will lift up their voices. Unity, oneness, together, love between a specific group of people. Who? The watchmen the prayer warriors and singers for Jerusalem. And Isaiah saw this occurring during a set time in history, future history, when God would bring back his scattered Jewish people in the diaspora. He would bring them back home to the actual geographical land of Israel, where they are today. Do you know when this started happening? When this verse started to become, maybe could be true? 1948. 1948 and 1967, God started bringing back his Jews from all over the world back into the land. It went from like hundreds, maybe thousands, to six million in 75 years. That's a bringing back. So this gives us the timing indicator. Unprecedented, increased unity, confidence, together, love, oneness between the prayer warriors for Jerusalem. Unity in local churches, unity in prayer rooms. But guys, this unity isn't guaranteed. This unity is not guaranteed. This unity is only spoken of the watchman for Jerusalem.
What does this tell us? Guys, it's hard, almost impossible to be unified if you don't pray with someone. If you don't pray with someone, it's hard to be unified with them. But if you pray with them, it's hard not to be unified with them. It's hard to be divided when husband and wife pray together. Brooke and I prayed together yesterday. I felt so close to her. So much closer than even 30 minutes before when we, before we prayed. Guys, prayer is relational glue. Prayer is relational glue. And for the last 21 days, we've been praying together like never before. It reminded me, I'll say not like never before, we prayed a lot in 2020 for God's purposes for America, and he loved all our prayers, he heard all our prayers. This was just like that. It felt just like that. But for Jerusalem, for the apple of his eye. So what's this surprising reward number three? It'll be on the next slide. I've said it, I'll just say it plainly. It's increased confidence, unity, oneness, and love within the praying body of Christ. The only unified churches are praying churches. The only unified fellowship is a praying fellowship. Nate, your home group is so unified because y'all give space to the Holy Spirit. You just talk to God for like two hours. Yeah, y'all hang out and catch up, but then you open it up and you're just talking to the Lord. People are sharing their testimonies. Prayer is relational glue. This church is really, really unified. Kind of like, I don't want to brag on our church or put down another church, but this church is really, really unified. You know why? It's not really that mysterious. It's not a secret. We pray a lot. We pray together. And the more we do that, we're going to have increased confidence, unity, oneness, and love. And this is the last point before I invite my mom up. How does this happen? Guys, Three, four weeks ago, 90% of the church stood up to become watchmen on the wall for Israel. That's the first step. You got to say yes to his appointment, but then you got to actually pray. You got to show up to prayer meetings. Watchmen, this happens when watchmen actually choose to be watchmen, to, to do their duty. When watchmen show up to pray, this starts to happen. And then it can't just be prayer because sometimes there's prideful prayer and then division can actually happen. You need humility, lowliness mixed with prayer. This is what the Lord showed me, this final picture. The Lord showed me, how does Isaiah 52, 8 happen? How do I see eye to eye with everyone in this congregation? First, I have to pray, but I have to pray with the spirit of lowliness. You know, the Lord showed me this picture of this whole church with every single member face down on the ground in lowliness, the lowest posture of worship, which is really the highest posture of worship, is flat on your face on the ground. The Bible calls it laying prostrate. Laying prostrate on the ground. So you know how this whole church is going to see eye to eye? When we all die to ourselves, die to our own agendas, lay on the ground before the Lord. And if someone were to lay on the ground right now, I would be eye to eye with them. I'm not above them. I'm not beneath them. Both are wrong. But if you're all on the ground with your eyes on the Lord and eyes on each other, you're going to be eye to eye. Humility, lowliness creates unity in prayer. Does that make sense? So let's be a church that lives on our faces. We're going to be so unified if we do that. Amen? All right. So just to summarize, Mom, you can go ahead and come up if you're in. Just to summarize the three surprising rewards of this 21-day fast. Put your name on these. Expect them. Really expect them in faith. 
Prosperity, first. Prosperity, increased skill and success in our communication and our craft. Whatever we're supposed to be good at, you're going to be better at as you pray for Israel. Second, increased heart tenderness, more holy tears. Let me see those hands again who experienced more tenderness, more tears in this 21 day. It's real. It's biblical and it's real. And last, we just saw it, increased confidence. Sherry, you're going to lift up your voice, and you have more and more. And we're going to be in unity within the praying body of Christ. Only way unity comes, through prayer and loneliness. These are awesome, and I'm so thankful to the Lord. So let's celebrate. Let's clap to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. He didn't have to... He didn't have to incentivize things for us. He could just say, do it, because I told you to. But he incentivized so much of the Bible. And let's not be afraid of rewards. Amen? And again, if you're like, oh, I think I missed out. I feel like I'm behind the curve. This next slide's for you. Go ahead and come up, Mom. I said it earlier, but never underestimate God's ability to redeem and make up for lost time. I'll say it again. Never underestimate God's ability to redeem and make up for lost time. So we're going to get a chance for everyone to get bought in. And I think if you say yes to what we're about to do, what are we about to do? We're about to sing and dance prophetically over Israel. We're going to catch the wind of Zephaniah 3.17. Jesus is singing and dancing constantly over the apple of his eye, over Jerusalem, over the 14 million Jewish people worldwide. He is singing and dancing. So we're just going to step into what he's already doing. Guys, I believe these three benefits, these three rewards could be yours because you just say yes for the next two minutes again. So never underestimate God's ability to redeem and make up for lost time. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.